Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting here with Lindsay Hanahan. She is the owner and founder of Move Studios Denver, which is actually the first movement studio in Denver, Colorado. And she's a movement therapist and is here to talk a little bit about how mental health and movement are connected. Um, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Yeah, I'm really happy to talk to you. I'm really, I got some questions about um, the link between emotions and movement of later on in the show. But first, we were talking a little bit about the show about how you were the first movement studio in Denver. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what differentiates a movement studio from maybe, I don't know, a dance studio or a Pilates studio or a yoga studio? So um, a lot. there are a lot of um, formal ways of moving like dance and yoga and Pilates are kind of uh, set. And this is this, you do the routine, you do how this thing moves and this is what you do. Um, my background is as a Laban Barteniev movement analyst. And that is all about moving. It looks at qualitatively how we move and it recognizes that movement and the, the mind are always connected. So, Moving is really the basis, whether you walk or you climb a 14er or you're a competitive athlete or you just want to pick your grandkids up. Those are all forms of moving. The way you pick up your cup of coffee is a way that you move and express yourself. And so um, I do have all of my Pilates trainings and certifications, but I didn't want to be a Pilates studio solely because what we do here is move and change people's ways of moving and being in the world. So I I decided I was going to be brave right up front and say, we're a movement studio and we do Pilates and we do red cord and we do core line and these other things. But, but that's our primary goal is to have people move fully and freely in their bodies. That's awesome. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a real like custom tailored approach that you take to movement and extending it beyond just kind of the the arts, right? But into just daily life. Like you said, picking up your grandkids, tying your shoes, right? Like maybe working in your yard, whatever, right? Like just kind of everyday movement. Yeah, the more comfortable and efficiently people move in their bodies, the less stress and strain they put on their bodies. Anytime you take stress and strain out of your life, you're you're moving in a better space, right? You're, you know, what do we do when we meditate? We want to we want to let go of all the noise and get centered into who we are. And as a as a person that has had um, now much later in my life, knowing full well that I've had um, ADHD my whole life, been very hyperactive. I started dancing when I was five. Um, so without movement, I don't think I could have survived, let alone thrived in my life. And that's what I tell people when they're here. I say, you know, you get something right or wrong in your place class, you know, you're, you're, you're working with something. Okay, but when you leave here, how are you sitting, standing, walking, and interacting? That's movement every single day. And if I can get people to be more aware of that, um, that's going to be a great help to their lives. So it, And everybody and every person is different, right? Those struggles and challenges are going to 
change, but that's how that works. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's a good dovetail. Tell me a little about your personal story. You said you started dancing when you were five. Yeah. I'm the youngest of eight kids. Okay. And my mom uh, started me dancing when I was five. And my sister Marty gets credit for that too, because she paid for the lessons <laughs> for quite a while. And um, I danced through my whole childhood and actually went to college and got an undergraduate degree in dance. Um, and I worked mostly in musical theater. That was my love. And um, and as part of that, I kept exploring my own singing, dancing, acting abilities and had a very um, transformative experience at one point when I was in London, I was studying acting and I had this, this teacher say to me, you have this airy fairy voice. It's like your body's in one room and, and your voice is in another room. And I'm thinking, but I'm a dancer and I'm a mover and I sing like, how are, how can you say that to me? But anyway, it was right because I was struggling as an actor. Um, when I got back to New York, I had an incredible opportunity to be in a class in New York that we did a four-hour class. And the first two hours started with movement work. And that movement work was the Laban work. Now, it turns out the RSC in, in London and, and other places in London use that Laban work as the basis for all their actor training. So I, I did a complete 180. And my voice and my body came became totally integrated and I was looking at graduate school at that point I was trying to maybe go as a director maybe as an actor primarily as a director I was already a choreographer and um, I didn't get in the first year when I was playing and I realized no matter what I needed a specialty because getting into these programs is very competitive and so I decided to go and do this Laban Barteniev training I'd been introduced to it as an undergrad and I fell in love with it but I had no idea I could study it you know, fully. And I didn't find that out, unfortunately, till I was around 37. Um, or a little younger than that, I guess, is when I started that training in New York. And and then ultimately, I went and did the training at the University of Utah. And I became a certified Laban Barteniev uh, movement analyst, and went on to join ISMETA and become a, a certified movement therapist. Um, and I, I came out of that program, very, very much looking for um, the um, looking for the place that I could apply that. So I'd been living in New York and performing and doing all this stuff. And I was crystal clear that New York was not the right place for me. And I needed to make a transition. And um, that became m moving here to Denver. And I got a, an opportunity to work at an injury clinic. And the injury clinic was... Um, really integrated. We had everything. We had neurologists, we had psychologists, we had massage and acupuncture and physical therapy and osteopathy because our primary um, concern was people in automobile accidents. Mm. So for six years, I was knee deep in complex auto injuries. And it was the perfect place to take all my love on work because I had discovered this massively healing aspect of the work while I was training even though I'd gone in to train actors, this, this work really drew me. And so here were these people in car accidents who had all kinds of stuff going wrong for them. And I was in the physical medicine department, but my approach was pure Laban, which again, what's going on in the body and how do we bring it support and help that person find movement with efficiency and pain-free and all of these things. And yeah, it was can a great you say a little bit more about the Laban work? Um, 
I've never heard of that. I can barely pronounce it. Uh, but I'm curious, yeah, what are maybe some of some tenants or principles or maybe an example of what a session might look like just so our listeners can understand what is it you're talking about? So the people who study the lot of work tend to be in roughly in three to four categories. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of them is um, actors and dancers. One of them is psychology. And there are a lot of amazing people using this work in the psychological field. Um, one of them is um, athletics. There are people that use this work in athletics and ballroom dancing uses it, um, especially internationally. Laban's work is is much more well-known outside of the U.S. than in the U.S. Um, and I think I just skipped one of the categories. But uh, the point is they're, they're, the concentration of who knows about it tends to be kind of in these areas. Um, so Laban started his work in about 1911. He felt that dance was the least respected of the uh, arts because it nobody wrote it down. It, it didn't, you know, it was it was a, ephemeral. It came, it went. There was no record of it. If it's a painting, you hang it on a wall. If it's a piece of music, you can play it a hundred years from now. But dance just came and went. And he was an architect. He was a dancer. He was an artist. And so he started creating a way to um, notate the language that we now call lava notation. But in the course of that, he had to be able to evaluate the movement. And so he began to evaluate it through body, effort, shape, and space. Hmm. Body is a lot of what became the Bartenia fundamentals. Ermgard Bartenia studied with Laban in Europe, came to the United States. She was a physical therapist, and she applied all of his work and really is responsible for the body aspect of the work and how we use that to connect to our bodies and ourselves and be able to do the other movement. Um, the space work is about how the body moves in space, uses space, connects with space. The shape work is about relationship. And the, and the quick way to feel that is a, a simple relationship from yourself to yourself. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're kind of rubbing and snuggling in the covers or you're in the shower and you're just like luxuriating in the water and the soap and whatever, those moments of self-to-self connection, um, that is a change in shape, that shape flow. Um, if somebody reaches a hand out and says hi and offers you a hand and shakes it, that's a spoking motion. If somebody puts their arms around you and hugs you, that's a carving motion. They're all relationships. And when you change, there's a lot of work that's been done around um, conflict resolution using the effort work and the shape work from the Laban material because when you change your shape you change your ability to connect and communicate with another person so it's something external and physical that actually impacts you emotionally and how you interact with others it's also clear that that's one of the reasons it works for acting so well if you can put on the shape of the thing that you're trying to get to your body and your voice, if they're connected, as mine now are, um, your body and your voice will change with that. So it makes you very believable as an actor. Yeah. Um, the effort work is phenomenal. Um, and there's four effort qualities. And through those effort qualities, um, you really reveal how, again, how you feel about those things. So weight is about your investment in your own mass which psychologically becomes about your sense of meanness. If you have a lot of weight in your effort signature, 
um, you have a lot of yourself in how you present to the world. And you can have strong weight effort or you can have light weight effort. There's still, it's still weight. If you're somebody that doesn't have a lot of weight, then you don't tend to show up in your wor world psychologically as much as maybe you let other people show up. Space is again about that connection, you know, connecting, how do I relate to space? Do I catch everything? Do I, am I attending to everything in my space all the time? Am I only attending to one thing at a time? Do I go back and forth? There's always a polarization, right? I only, I'm, I'm hyper-focused. People with ADD are often hyper-focused on one thing. Or you have the person who's paying attention to so many things at once that they're all over the place, right? And, but they're attending to all of those things. If you're, if you're teaching a class and there's 300 people in it, it's a lot of people or you're in a theater, you need to attend to all of that space. Um, so that attention, am I attending to one or many? Um, my, um, shape body sorry i just lost my effort qualities <laughs> so um wait time quick or sustained mm -hmm. now what's interesting about this is it's not fast and slow and I, i'm sure that you, you can recognize people when i talk about people for whom there's a there's there's no urgency like ever yeah that yeah. person just yeah they'll get it done maybe someday but you know i have a cup of tea first mm -hmm. just right or the now, immediate, has to get done now. And there's everything in between, right? Um, and there's people who ride that steady, there's there's no no quickness and no slowness. We call them, they're in a spell drive. That person that kind of draws you in and the next thing you know, three hours is gone and you don't know what happened. Um, so these effort qualities start to combine into states and drives. Um, two of the effort qualities is a state and three is a drive. And so psychologically, you can start to see how these, these are movement qualities. And yet, when they combine, our whole personalities start to show up. So we have time, space, shape, and flow. And flow is very connected to your breath and your breathing and how you organize. Um, I often take people through a physical experience where I say, okay, your, your skin is like cheesecloth. And your flow is able to go in and out through the cheesecloth at all times. And we move around a little bit and, you, and, and the air is coming through you. And then I put saran wrap over them. And I, not literally, but I mentally, I want to imagine you have saran wrap around. And your whole body is covered in saran wrap. So there's a little barrier between the air and the world and you. And there's a little bit of that. And that would be a little bit of a bound flow. Then we do neoprene and your entire body and skin is covered in neoprene. And then you experience touching another person when you're surrounded in neoprene, when you're surrounded in saran wrap, when your body's covered in cheesecloth. And what is that like, right? So our, everyone chooses where on these poles that we live, um, when you understand that, it also helps you understand why certain people will make you crazy because the way you live in your effort qualities will be so counter to some people. I am very direct in my space. Um, and when I encounter people who are very indirect, I'm often very irritated. And I may not have even picked up that they're indirect. I just, I, that person just really irritates me. Well, at this point in my career, I hope I do pick up quickly that they're very indirect. And so rather than kind of judging them, 
because I had this response to them, I can recognize, okay, this person lives in this indirect place and I can make some space for that, right? That goes back to that relationship. If I make a little more room, open up some space, they can be indirect, I can be direct and we can still communicate, right? So, um, so Laban's work was very wildly complex and also wildly accessible. I can teach these concepts very, very quickly. It doesn't take years to teach the basic concepts, but they can really help people understand what's going on in their own body, how they feel, and, and gives you some um, sense of context um, and, and a little more objectivity about things in the moment when we can often get swept away by our responses to things, right? Um, and this, sometimes when you understand, often, I believe, when you understand your own body and your own way of being in the world, it makes you able to understand and communicate and, and interact better with the rest of the world. And that's, that's what I see. Now, I don't overtly walk around here talking to everybody about the Laban concepts. They're all movement-based. And so when I help people explore their own movement, they find these things about themselves that I could give a language to. And with some of my clients, they're very into it, and I do give that specific language to it. But mostly it's the opportunity for them to, if, they, if you live at one pole in your life, if you can explore that pole a little bit, suddenly you have possibilities. You don't have to stay stuck in the place that you are. And that's often physical as well as mental. Yeah, that's if really fascinating. Ride like, that and make a change. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it just it, there's a lot there. I'm, I'm actually really fascinated by this. It sounds like it's both like a way of diagnosing movement, right? Or people with movement qualities. Mm -hmm. um, it's also something like there's like a personality inventory component to it too, right? Where there is like psychological correlates with how people move um, and also how people are perceived, right? It sounds like you can like, like you said, in acting, you can put something across by changing the dials on these different efforts. Um, Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm interested, you know, we're going to be moving to our break soon here, but I'm wondering what's something that you learned about yourself or something that some of your effort quality, maybe something you weren't aware of or something you wanted to work on. How have you applied this personally? So when I went through my training, um, my effort qualities um, that, that I, uh, I was voted Miss Action Drive, um, which would be a combination of um, weight, time and space with no flow. Um, but that's more that that's a big piece of my personality. But I actually have quite a bit of flow, so my um, I am strong, direct, and free flow. Now think about that for a minute. The simplicity of someone that something that is very strong and direct, and also free flowing. That does not sound very safe, does it? The wrecking ball, right? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. I said, I'm a tornado. Yeah. So I would frequently walk into a room and and people just would respond very badly to me. And I just didn't understand what was wrong. <laughs> and by learning that that was what came out, it doesn't mean that I can't choose that free flow. That's a happy space for me to be free and open. But that can also negatively impact a lot of people, particularly people who are very bound flow, who feel threatened by that kind of energy spilling all over the room. And so for me, um, learning that and learning to use 
um, make it about my client, right? I have a lot of weight in my effort signature, that strength, right? But it's not about me in a session. So being able to stay from a space perspective with myself, giving my direct focus to the client creates a space for that client to have their experience. And my tornado isn't going to blow them away because I can contain that. So learning to physically set myself up in those ways has allowed me to be successful in evaluating and working with the people that I work with. And without that training, I never would have known that. Right. Being able to like attune to where people are or what role you're in, in that moment. Right. And one of the most important things that Peggy Hackney, who has literally written the book on the Bartenia fundamentals, she was my mentor and teacher. And she said, um, you always have to meet them where they are, but also people need to be willing to be where they are. And it turns out that can be extremely difficult for people especially a person who is in this place where maybe they were very active and, and they ran marathons and all this stuff. And now for one reason or another, they're injured and helping them feel safe to be exactly where they are is the only way they can get the support structure to move forward and hopefully reclaim their lives. But we all have to be able to be where we are in those moments. And I think that's one of the most important things I learned. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. And it, you know, has a lot of correlates with psychology and psychotherapy. Um, we're going to move to our first commercial break here. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about, well, just about all of it, right? But I think how it, you know, correlates with mental health work, well, with wellness, or people can kind of use this technique and, and embodied movement as a way of healing. I think a lot of our listeners will be interested in that. So if you're listening, uh, hang on in there. We'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. I'm sitting here with Lindsay Hanahan, and we're talking about how movement heals. Um, so I know you're not a psychotherapist, but you are a movement therapist, right? And I think there's a lot correct. of like incredible overlap and synergy, you know, um, we might get into it later in the show, but a big part of my work is actually doing a lot of this embodied movement stuff. I'm working on my body. I did a lot of psychotherapy and this was a missing component. Um, I've actually kind of just become aware of the importance of the body um, in some of the stuff that I'm doing, but I'm curious. So there's an experience that I've had that some of my clients have had. Uh, I think a lot of athletes have also had where they're pushing really hard, right? Maybe they're getting into a new zone, right? Whether it be a heart rate zone or they're getting into a new depth of a squat or, or something like that, right? And all of a sudden an emotion comes up, right? I think for a lot of people, it's fear. I think for some people, it's sadness. You know, for other people, I've heard anger or rage can come up, uh, but there seems to be this kind of like emotional spike that can show up when people are pushing themselves you know, um, or working on mobility, I think specifically. I'm curious, it sounds like you're nodding. Have you experienced that? And, and if you have, how would you explain that phenomena? Um, because the work we do here does not tend to be like massively athletic um, in terms of, of that kind of pushing people. Um, I don't see so much of that, but but this idea that something's going to be there there is something there frequently for a per person who comes in here and they may have no idea. And sometimes I will have a sense that there's something there um, or I won't. And what happens in my experience is that the body is going to figure out a way to protect itself. That seems obvious. If I'm a movement therapist, I'm looking at a body and somebody, you know, maybe, had a shoulder injury when they were a teenager and now they're 30 years old and they're having trouble with this shoulder and it's really locked down. And it turns out they've been protecting it for 15 years. So you talk about fear, right? And this seems a clear correlation that the shoulder, you know, is, is held and, and they're afraid to let the shoulder move. And so I have to give that shoulder and that arm a lot of support as well as that person to say, okay, well, if I'm going to support your arm, where could your arm go? Can it go over here? Can it go up? Can it go to the side? What can it do? 
that feels safe. And you might think in your head, that sounds a lot like therapy. And it is. Um, because that person's, that person, it may be something as simple as their brain said, this is not safe. And they locked that shoulder down. And they've been to four physical therapists and everybody's done the, the standard whatever. And, and it just hasn't gotten better because their brain is super attached to the safety of that shoulder. It could be anything in your body. It could be your low back or your knee or your neck. But there's a reason that you're holding on to it. And as Peggy would say, there's a reason you're holding on to it. And you will continue to hold on to it until that isn't there anymore. Right? So the body's going to make the choice to protect the thing that needs to be protected. If that involves that you perhaps were abused and you could not speak either in that abusive situation or about that abuse to anyone for a long period, it may be that your diaphragm started to lock down because you couldn't speak. And now when you, when you talk, you're always in like a vocal fry like this where you always sound like this. Now, if you show up at my studio, the first thing I'm going to do is work on your breathing. No matter who you are or why you're showing up, I'm going to work on your breathing. But while you're having difficulty breathing can go back to that kind of a trauma. If and when I suspect that kind of thing, I clearly am going to refer to a psychotherapist, gently just suggest, hey, could be some stuff going on here. Do you have a therapist that you speak with? And just kind of open that door for them. But my job is to open their body up and allow them to reclaim their breath and thereby reclaim their movement. Um, when I mentioned the Bartania fundamentals earlier, there are six basic body patterns in the, fun in the fundamentals. And the first one is breath. And you move from breath patterning through core distal, head tail, upper lower, body half, and cross lateral as you develop as a, an infant and, and move through your life. Um, so as an infant, you're, this is how you're learning. This is how your brain learns to process. That breath patterning is basic and fundamental to all of us. It's the first thing that the egg and the sperm do once they come together. They begin to grow and shrink and grow and shrink in the same way that your cells grow and shrink when you take in oxygen and take out CO2 in the same way your lungs expand and contract. So that breathing is the most fundamental movement our bodies do. And if that breathing is interrupted, every movement pattern you do is interrupted. There's, there's no way around it because each pattern builds on the one before it. So anything that comes along and interrupts, that's going to happen. Now, you're a high-level athlete, and you have learned how to push through this. Your breath pattern may or may not be there for you, but you have learned how to survive this until that moment that you, your body in that moment feels like it can't hold on to it anymore. Right. And for somebody, it might just be the day that they sit down here and I actually make them take a deep breath and they begin to sob because they haven't yeah. taken a deep breath in God yeah. knows how long. And for an athlete, it may be that moment that they, you know, they've got this one thing that they haven't perfected and they're trying to get there. And they're, they're so, you know, their entire being is so focused on it. And it's the last, it's that proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back and they can no longer manage everything that they're managing. And that's when it shows up. And 
you know, that can happen in a session for me. That can happen when they're walking down the street. It can happen when they're at the gym. Um, but it's, it's always such a surprise. And, um, and if we're lucky when that happens to us, we have the opportunity to work through it. That in itself can be so terrifying that it shows up and then people just withdraw and they, they can't go there. So creating a safe space for people is really important um, to go through that process. Did I answer your question? I feel like maybe I didn't, but. No, you definitely did, right? I think you okay, talked to kind right. of like the safety and locking things down. I think you talked to unlocking trauma that could be repressed and held. You know, I liked your example of people crying when they breathe. I mean, where I first encountered this um, personally and just in the world was at a yoga studio, right? Where people were in something like pigeon pose and opening up their hips and all of a sudden people start crying, you know? And when I was there for the first time, it, that scared me. I was like, what is this? You know, and then I started to feel it and it scared me even more, you yes. know, to be like, whoa, there's, there's a lot here. And it's not a, a cry of pain. It's a cry of like emotional release, mm-hmm. um, you know? So- I had a... I had a very interesting example of that recently. I was running a photo shoot at the studio and pretty much everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And um, so we were supposed to do our headshots at the beginning of the day. And then the photographer had this problem and that problem. And then, and then it was, and then all the people showed up and I went, okay, can't do this, move on. So we did all this other stuff. And then we get to the end of the day and we're all exhausted and, and we're doing our headshots. And I'm like, I am geared up. I am okay. 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 And my colleague, who's a Feldenkrais practitioner, I'm sitting in a chair trying to do these headshots. And he goes, Lindsay, breathe. And I took a big breath and I started to cry. And then I'm like, no, no, I can't mess up my makeup. I can't mess up my makeup. <laughs> but I had been so tightly holding yeah, on yeah. to, I had to get this done. I had to get, and it seems a small example. I mean, I know how to breathe. This is not a, you know, I know how to do. And yet in that moment, Michael recognized that I was so out of my body that whatever came out on that camera was not going to be me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I needed to breathe and sit back and get the support of the chair and myself and feel myself supported and then get a genuine smile on my face and be able to take a picture. And like I said, it, it seems like a tiny example, but, but that's how we live our lives. We just put it aside because there's no time for it and we have to move on. We have to get it together. And, and people don't breathe. They do not take deep breaths. It sounds so simple. I learned this lesson as an actor 30 years ago. We had a, I, I did a, a course, a class where one of our assignments was to go home. We had to look ourselves in the mirror and take three deep breaths multiple times during the day. It was shocking. <laughs> you know, so something as simple as breathing, as you said, you, once you allow that support structure to come up, you can let go of what you're holding and carrying. And it's a huge thing to be able to release it. Yeah, I think that dovetails nicely into my next question, which is you talk about, you know, embodiment, right? Or your voice connecting to your body or your mind connecting to your body. And I think what you just said is so true, right? So many people are disembodied, um, they're dissociated, whether it be through busyness or through substance use or through work or through TV or, you know, name it, right? There's a thousand ways to dissociate. Um, And I'd imagine most of our listeners may be more dissociated than not. It might not even know what embodiment is or even feels like, because I think, it is so rare, sadly. Um, it so, is sadly rare. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think something we need to just put on the table is that we live in a country where um, physicality and and body is connected to sex, mm-hmm. 
And we have this real puritanical viewpoint of sex still in this day and age. It's, it's ironic, um, but there it is. Um, so many things about the body are just about that. If we tell them about their bodies, then they're going to want to go have sex. And so we don't teach anyone about their bodies. I've had so many clients say to me, God, I wish I'd learned this when I was a kid. I wish anybody had talked to me about this when I was a kid. And, you know, one of the key things that allows the body to operate properly is a healthy pelvic floor. Well, you mentioned pelvic floor and it's all about the sex, right? Um, from, from such, you know, that kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, unfortunately, if you do athletics, well, that's okay because that's athletics. But anything that would be movement related gets swept into this, you know, well, you don't want you to feel your body. You might be sensual. God forbid, right? Yeah, you feel I mean, your life. Right? You might feel your own life. You might feel yeah. what's happening and that's not safe. Um, and so I, I think I, I offer that at this moment because um, because that's a deep sidebar of embodiment. Um, to feel what's happening in your body requires that you have a way to deal with it, right? If you are feeling incredible amounts of shame or even anger or um, sadness or any of those things, again, society says, well, keep it together. Don't don't burden other people with how you feel. And so you have to find a way to trap that shit in your body. I mean, <laughs> because what are you going to do with it? And, and we all, it's not that you should walk around sobbing at everybody that you see, and, oh, I'm having a terrible day. I mean, it's not that kind of a thing. But if you can be in your body, allow yourself to comfortably be in your own body, you can absorb the crap that's coming into you. Right. If you're having a bad day, if you're being hit from all sides, you you have resilience because your own body can hold you. Um, I had the experience when I went to do my training that I had no support and I had done all the psychotherapy work around that. I had done all the talk therapy. I had asked people to help me with things in my life. I was doing great and I was still not okay. Ultimately, when I did my training, I discovered that physically, even as a professional dancer, I had no support. I had learned a way to balance and stand on one leg and do all this stuff. And I had no structural support for that. And doing this work brought me into my own body and allowed me to have that structural support. So that when I get hit with things emotionally, and I have PTSD, and I have anxiety issues, I have a space to go where I'm supported. And then from that place of support, I can deal with whatever comes at me. That's what embodiment is about. Yeah. I, hope I that. love that, right? It's like it does. It's like having internal resources, right? Yes. Like you said, feeling your life, being just being alive for it. It seems so basic, but yeah, I think a lot of people really haven't experienced that. They have not. They, yeah. People tell me that. I can't feel that. I've poked people on a shoulder blade and they're like, I I can't feel that. And I have people with hypermobility. They're doubly whacked because the hypermobility decreases their proprioception, which is their body's ability to know where it is in space. So they get doubly whacked if they have emotional on top of the hypermobility. But 
normal average person will say to me, I can't feel my elbow, or I don't really feel that when you touch that, or, and, and they've just shut it off for some reason. It's just not there. And so coming into it gives true, it's like a scaffolding for your whole body to rest on and be carried. That's how we're structurally set up to be. We just mostly can't, most people can't really work that way. They, they don't have that structure and they don't know they can depend on it. And that's right. my job is to help them to be able to depend on that again. Yeah. To unlock that and, and bring it back online. It sounds yes, like. Yes. Right? Bring so it back on time. Bring that, teach people how to use it. It's there. It's all there, but, but we're not taking advantage of that resource. And that's what I'm here to help people learn and Fantastic. find. Great. Uh, well, we have to go to our final commercial break. When we come back, I'd love to hear some tips or some tricks or maybe some exercises that our listeners can do um, to get a sense of this work. Maybe take that first step towards embodiment um, or towards just healing some of these tightnesses um, and deadness that we've been talking about during the show. Um, so if you're, if you're listening, hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. In this segment, we talk directly to you, the listener. Uh, so, Lindsay, do you have any tips or tricks or exercises or things if people are listening to this podcast and they're like, yes, 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 like I need this in my life, um, where can they start? Um, so the place to start is always with your breathing. And there are um, there are certainly classes where you can go to that you can do some breathing. There's a phenomenal book out there called Breath. Um, written by James Nestor. Um, if you haven't read the book, run, don't walk um, and get that book and read that book or listen to that book. It's phenomenal. And it will help you understand how important and vital breathing is to your life and, and what you're doing. If you do the audio version of it, he has wonderful breath exercises at the end to help open up your breathing, your your lung passages and get all that going. Um, if you feel you have breathing problems, um, and you and you have trouble relating to your breath. Um, I will say finding someone who is either um, a movement therapist like myself, a good a good experienced Pilates instructor who knows how to teach breathing, because your pelvic floor and your diaphragm working with your breath are really important, and it's a great baseline. Something simple you can do is put get yourself on your bed or on the floor with a bunch of comfy pillows. Put on some music that makes you feel very fluid, ocean-like music, um, any of it. There's a lot of stuff out there for meditation where there's music with ocean in the background, anything like that, that you can lie comfortably and let yourself breathe and allow yourself to be supported. So that breath pattern that I mentioned, letting the pillows support you, changing your position as if you are just a bag of water, and rolling from one position to another and then staying in that position, can you allow yourself to sink in and melt into the floor and be supported in that position and do it again and put on music for five minutes, maybe even 10 minutes. It can be absolutely transformative. If you have an emotional response, you're there, the pillow's there, the music's there, you can let go and allow yourself to experience that. So from a baseline level, doing anything to improve your breath and your breathing work can be very transformative for you. During the day, set an alarm on your, if you're somebody that works at, at home, especially, or at an office where you're at a computer all day, set an alarm to come up every hour and say, breathe in capital letters and take three really slow, deep breaths in and slow out. You want even breath in and even breath out. Five, five and a half seconds is optimal. Five and a half seconds in, five and a half seconds out. So from a baseline level, that's critical. Moving. So I tell people um, when they ask about Pilates, I say Pilates is the thing that you do so you can do the thing you do. So what is that thing you do? Do you go for walks? Do you go for hikes? Do you swim? Do you play tennis or, or cycle or, or, or what do you do? Um, do that thing. If you don't have a thing that you do, Try to find something you want to do, something. It's a yoga class. It's a Zumba class. It's a Nia class. It's a whatever it is. It's Pilates. It's, it's Coraline. It's what is it that makes you 
move and, and brings you movement. Play kickball with your friends. Um, play volleyball, badminton, um, rollerblade. I bring up all these things because everybody's personality is different. Um, I discovered tennis um, when I was in my late 30s and 40s, and I spent all day inside, and I, I decided tennis was going to get me outside. Um, tennis saves me. Tennis is my mental health thing. I get to focus on a ball and hit it. I don't have to be all nice to somebody in my studio and, and pay attention to all the things going wrong with them. That's what I do all day. I get to go and escape that and give myself something to do. Playing is so important. Something as simple as putting on a piece of music you love and dancing around your house and singing can do massive changes for your brain, for your endorphins, for your stress level. Um, I have certain songs that do that for me. And when I need it, I just put it on and I scream at the top of my lungs. So this kind of, um, this kind of experience and expression of yourself is vitally important. Um, on a more functional, mundane level, I believe everybody in the country should have a foam roller in their house. I want to be very clear that that should be a soft foam roller, not a rigidly hard foam roller. And if you have one that's hard, I want you to put some towels on it and soften it up because your tissue will not respond well to that kind of really, um, it can be really damaging to be on a hard roller. That said, work on the foam roller, lying lengthwise on the foam roller, stretching your arms over your head, doing snow angels. Anything like that can help you. Put some paper towels between your hands and take the arms up and over your head and feel your shoulder blades moving. Um, moving your shoulder blades, wrapping them around your rib cage, dropping them back towards the floor around the roller, opening up the ribs and the shoulder blades and allowing those things to move. Very helpful. Very inexpensive. People call them Pilates balls. Um, originally, the, the original Gertie balls, which they've changed the formula, but the originals were really soft. About an eight inch ball is great. Um, it's soft. And you can use it for all kinds of things. You can sit on it. When you're sitting on it, you can rock your pelvis forward and back. That opens up your pelvic floor and allows you to breathe and release your pelvic floor. It opens up your low back and allows your low back to, to relax if you move from your sits bones, which are those bones when you sit in a chair or you sit on the floor and you rock side to side and you feel those bones in your butt. Those are your sits bones. They are part of your pelvic floor. When you initiate movement from your sits bones, you are opening up your low back and releasing the tension there. Another lovely thing that I, I learned from an Alexander teacher many years ago, put a pillow under your belly, lie on your belly on the floor, if you, especially if your low back tends to be a problem for you, and breathe. The pillow is going to prevent you from going forward with that breath, and therefore it's going to go into your back. So you're going to have to create space in your back, which is going to open your back, open your spine, something you can do at the end of the day or do in the beginning of the day if your back needs a little release. Um, any of those things that just start you moving and opening and giving your body both support and encouragement to move. Working with balls is always encouraging. Your feet using some small balls on your feet. There's lots of information about there. there. There's the melt method and the melt balls for your feet. There's a lot of people that do things with feet. Um, and you use small balls and you work on the bottoms of your feet. Heck, you can use your foam roller. 
put your foot up on the foam roller and put the ball of your foot on the roller and roll it side to side. During the pandemic, I had all kinds of people doing that because the two things most people had at home that I worked with were a foam roller and a ball, a, a gertie ball, a soft ball. Um, so we did a lot of work with that. So you can put your feet on the roller and roll the balls of your feet on the roller and roll the instep of your foot on the roller, put your heel on the roller and give a little pressure in and release. And that can get the whole back of your leg going. Um, the, the little gertie ball that I mentioned, I mean, it's fabulous. With gertie ball, you can do a whole little workout. You can put the gertie ball under your sternum and lie on your belly. And from that position, Pull your stomach up, stretch your head and your tail away from each other, stretch your legs out, and then just try to roll the ball forward with your sternum. Again, it's going to start moving your spine in new ways. You're going to be breathing. You're going to be supported by the floor. You can do some arm work. Put your arms out to the side and lift them up and down. Just slide them along the floor in front of you. Feel your shoulder blades moving in this position holding your belly, lengthening your spine and having the, the floor be your support structure. So anything you do, and, and I tell my people this, I have busy, busy people. And I tell them, anything you can do is good. If it's five minutes of breathing, that's five minutes more of movement than you did yesterday. If it's 10 minutes of, of being on the foam roller and breathing and spreading your arms out and doing that, great. That's 10 minutes. If you do it two or three times a week, it's it's terrific because you have to start where you are, as we spoke of earlier. Start where you are. Maybe that's where you are. You just need to get some more breath in your life. Start with that. And then find the play time that you want, whatever it is. If it's a walk, if it's running up and down Red Rocks, if you live here in Denver, if it's skiing, whatever the thing is that brings you joy, that joy is going to bring you movement and that movement is going to make your life better. That's awesome. That, that's fantastic. Right? I like it's like start where you're at, start small, just get on the ground and breathe, right? Move around, um, break free from kind of like those prisons. So yes. Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find more about you? Um, so my website is movestudiosdenver.com. Um, you can see more about me there. Um, my, if you're here in Denver, um, I have some wonderful colleagues. We do oeuvre work and Coraline work and red cord work in addition to the Pilates work. Um, it's all wonderful movement-based work that can really help you. We do do online sessions. We do a pelvic floor class three times a year that is both online and in person. So you can do it from anywhere in the country. Um, I have clients in North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Massachusetts that I do see online. Um, so we do work with people um, remotely as well, if that is of interest. And um, you can find more about the Laban and Bartenev work on Wikipedia. There's great pages for them. There's also the Laban Bartenev Institute of Movement Studies in New York. The program I did is Integrated Movement Studies. Um, you can look them up, imsmovement.com, and see their trainings as well. Um, and ISMETA, the International Thematic Educators and Movement Therapists Association, ISMETA.org. Uh, mm. Look up ISMETA, you'll find it. And there are lots of somatic movement practitioners around the country. You can find somebody in that if you want hands-on work, you can find somebody to work with you where you are. Um, and obviously, my bio and info is on my website. And um, yeah, those are some resources. As I said, that breath book is it's worth its weight in gold. It's an incredible resource. 
So um, hopefully that can give people some jumping off points of where to go. And um, also you can email me, lindsay at movestudiosdenver.com if you have any questions that I can answer, um, specific, short questions, but uh, that kind of thing. I'm happy to answer those questions or point you in the right direction. Um, Great. Well, thank you so helpful. much. For, it's very helpful. There's a ton of places where people can go to explore. Uh, thanks for being on the show and bringing awareness to kind of this other part of mental health, right? The movement, the body, the somatic piece. So if you're listening, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on another episode of From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same. <laughs>